Hello, and welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. This episode is part three of our Infinity Wars coverage, and this time we are doing the Thanos Legacy one-shot and the first two Infinity Warps two-issue miniseries, Iron Hammer and Soldier Supreme. At the time we did the recording for these issues, the scheduling plan for these episodes was quite different, so just don't want you to be confused when in the Soldier Supreme discussion, we briefly compare it to the other miniseries. Recorded last, released first. Anyway, now that's out of the way, here's my brother Joe and myself talking Thanos Legacy number one. Thanos Legacy. Writer, Donny Cates. Artist, Brian Level. Colors, Jordan Boyd. Letters, Clayton Cowles. Editors, Jordan D. White and Annalise Bissa. Cover art, Jeff Shaw. Variant covers by Stonehouse, Asad Ribic, Ron Lim, Jeff Shaw, George Perez, and others, because there are many variant covers. Cover dated November 2018. On sale date September 5th, 2018, with a cover price of $4.99. You can find this reprinted in Cosmic Ghost Rider Volume 1, Baby Thanos Must Die, from 2018, Infinity Wars Trade Paperback, from 2019, Thanos by Donny Cates from 2019, Guerrero's Infinitas, number 3 and 4, which is a 2019 Brazilian reprint, and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. In the moments before he dies, different events from Thanos' life are on his mind. His visit to the far future where he is one and beat or destroyed all who opposed him, and how he despised that future version of himself and wished to see him destroyed. After returning from the future, he went to Las Vegas and beat up on Mephisto for a bit, ordering him to leave Frank Castle alone. And then we are back at his death, that moment when he realized the future he hated would now not come to pass. After his death, the Cosmic Ghost Rider is there to set the body ablaze in his own... unique fashion. He then leaves the body to be eaten by animals, and is surprised when one of them sets off an explosive inside of Thanos' body. He is informed by a new rival, that the body is booby-trapped. Asking how the stranger knows that about Thanos, the stranger tells him, because he's my brother. It is Eros, aka Star Fox, Avenger and brother to Thanos. He is there to remove something from Thanos' body that could ignite a war. His will. To be continued in Guardians of the Galaxy, number one. So, Joe, Thanos Legacy, number one. Now, when everything was being coming out about Infinity Wars, this was included as part of it. But it's not really. I mean, it kind of is. It's it's more a it's more an epilogue to the Thanos ongoing series that they had coming out before Infinity Wars, and a prologue to the Guardians of the Galaxy series coming out after Infinity Wars. I mean, it really doesn't tell you anything new, anything important for Infinity Wars, except for apparently there was a, a Thanos appearance in Thor number four that came out about the same time, that I guess tells you that's how that fits in continuity. But other than that, I mean, it's a fine story, but I don't really think it was needed. You know, if you didn't read this as part of Infinity Wars, I don't think you'd lose anything. I think the only thing, uh, like, that I got from it was that uh, he wanted to die. That that was the the only thing. He was okay with being killed. Yeah, like I mean, he kind of they kind of show it in in the when he dies, like in the actual uh, 
What is, what what's uh comic did he die in before this? Infinity Wars one or two, I forget which. Yeah. I mean it kind of shows him like taking like, you know, wanting to die, you know, not fighting back there either, but this one really confirms that he he was uh he was all for it. Other than that, I mean, unless you take him wrong, unless you disagree, I don't really think it really needed to be part of Infinity Wars. No, you know? well, I mean, I guess, like you said, it's a, a thing before, it, you know. You know, it kind of epilogues that Thanos series of showing what happened to him after the end of that series, where he was in the future with future Thanos. So any questions on the stuff happening, uh, any of the stuff happening right now? We see him, you know, in the beginning, he's on the throne. And then we see him on Earth in the future fighting his future self. Because you see old Thanos has a beard and good beard and long hair. Yeah, he kills himself, right? Oh, by the way, the guy with the he- the guy with the thing in his head? Yeah. That's a silver that? surfer. No. I, that's no. a silver that's because I remember it from the series. Oh. That's the silver surfer, I believe, with the cap powers of Captain Universe. Which is why he looks like d- dark colored. And Thor's hammer. Because that's what's going through his oh, head. Oh, I did not. I thought that was a knife in his head. No, his that's the Thor's the handle of the Thor, of Thor's hammer in his head, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm. So he dies in that series. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a future version of the Silver Surfer. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years from now. Oh, I guess he doesn't die of old age. No, power cosmic. For all we know, I mean, they've played around with the fact that the Silver Surfer actually could have been the Silver Surfer working for Galactus for like 10,000 years, for all we know, before he showed up in the Fantastic Four. Yeah, that is true. You know, once he's in that power cosmic, he's kind of immortal. Mm-hmm. You know, unless he's killed, he's not going to just get old and die. Yeah, so we got the Thanos coming back in time then. Beating up Mephisto, which entertained me. That was funny. Who looks a lot like Submariner there. Yeah, guess a different. Well, he can look whatever he wants to. He's a demon type. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that. What the hell, dude? <laughs> Why are you punching me? What was the thing they were talking about? Hella. Hella. Yeah, Hella, the goddess of death. Yeah. I'm get I, now. See, I'm not too up on some of the current stuff. I'm wondering if they've tied like the death goddesses into death. So Hella getting married is kind of like death getting married, and obviously death getting married would kind of piss Thanos off. Oh, yeah. He did yeah. not look happy about it. Yeah. But first, his first warning. Leave Frank Castle alone. Why would he do that? Oh, I'll tell you in a second. You'll find oh, out in okay. a minute. But I like Mephisto's like, who? <laughs> but yeah, and then we jump to uh, the part in Infinity Wars where Thanos actually gets killed. Which I guess is a way to change the future. You know, if he sees himself, if he's not happy for himself in the far future... Then this is one way to stop that dying. Yeah, and I guess he wants to see death. Yeah, and he knows who killed him. He knew he knew it was Gamora. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I mean, whether they're going by the newer ver- newer way of the origin with the you know kind of based on the movies or the original one, she was always still his daughter, basically. The movie he takes over that planet and takes her as his daughter. Right. Well, what I mean, yeah, what I mean, the, I mean the new movie version, the fact they include Nebula and stuff. Oh, okay. Because originally it was just Gamora. You know? Oh, you think they're gonna they're gonna include Nebula now? Oh, they've they've since included Nebula as like Gamora's sister, quote unquote. Oh yeah. Yeah, in the comics, 
Which is fine because I actually kind of found Nebula boring before. This is like one of the time. This is a time where like I'm very happy they're going with more of the movie <clears throat> version because she's more interesting now. I know. But no matter what, Gamora's always his child, basically. He always treated her like his daughter. I mean, in a twisted Thanos way, but still. So I kind of like the fact that he knew it was her, even though she was disguised. And so then after she leaves and takes his head, we see his body there. And now you know why his body's on fire, right? Because Ghost Rider... It look, is he peeing on him? Yep. Well, that... <laughs> now, that's not just Ghost Rider. That's Cosmic Ghost Rider. In the future story, we meet Cosmic Ghost Rider. Cosmic Ghost Rider was an Earthman who became a Herald of the Galactus. No, who became Ghost Rider. And then became a Herald of the Galactus. So he got even more powers. And then, because it was so long, and he kind of, you know, he was alive for so long, kind of got messed up, he ended up becoming basically Thanos' lackey in the future. Not, not a Herald of Galactus anymore? Yeah, he stopped. I think Galactus got killed at that point. And this is Frank Castle? Yep. And you know Frank Castle is, right? Punisher. Yeah. Obviously, it's not the regular Punisher. It's a future version of him. They're saying in that future timeline, at some point in the future, Frank Castle ends up becoming Ghost Rider. And then... And then Cosmic. Cosmic. Yep. And then works for Thanos. And that's why he was telling Mephisto, leave Frank Castle alone. Because he's my bitch. Well, no, he's like, I don't want to. He's trying to stop all of that from happening. So one of the things is to make sure he doesn't have his, you know, Thanos doesn't have his sidekick, so to speak. So Frank Castle never becomes a Ghost Rider. He can't become Cosmic. Oh, he doesn't. Thanos does not want him to become Cosmic. Exactly. Thanos does not want him to ever become Ghost Rider. Oh. Because he's remember he's trying to stop that future from happening. Oh, okay. Well, so I was just, yeah. Yeah, but of course the character is popular enough, so they brought him back in time. So he's still around now. And he pees on him. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that Ghost Rider movie where you see the Ghost Rider piss in his fire. Uh, I don't remember. That's why he's zipping up, if you notice. I did not put that together. Yeah. And then he lets his dogs eat him. His or, demon I, dogs. I think it's. I don't think they're his. I think they're just animals on that planet. Oh, okay. But, of course, Thanos' body is booby-trapped. It blows up. And who tells him it's booby-trapped? His brother. How do you say his name again? Uh, Eros. Eros. Or his superhero name was Star Fox when he was an Avenger. So he stabs, he goes into his chest, right? Yeah, because he had something in there, implanted in his body, his will. Now that I didn't understand. Did you understand that? Was that something that they talked about before? Uh, it's coming up. It, it, it's well. When I say will, it's not like his like you know drive. I mean, it's like his last will and testament. You know, like I decree that you get this and you get this and you get this after I'm dead. Oh, so they have to like plug that in and they can hear as well. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant. Yeah, I thought that meant his drive. Yeah, like his. Yeah, like willpower. No. Yeah. It, it, literally, it is his will. Like if they, you know, Thanos had a lawyer, he'd have to get it out from there. To go, okay, Gamora, you get the ship, and Nebula, you get this rock. Because Dad says here, quote, I hate you. You're the worst. But yeah, and this actually, this is one of the reasons I say it's a lead into Guardians of the Galaxy. Because the first storyline in the new Guardians of the Galaxy series that comes out afterwards is all about Thanos' will. Ah. So that's what I'm saying. Like This is more of an epilogue to the old series and a prologue to the new Guardians one. Yeah. 
So I mean, it's an okay story, Thanos story. It's okay story for what it do, what it's doing, but it's my thing is it's, it's not, not, not really, necessary. Yeah, for Infinity Wars. Yeah. You know, the only thing that you could say is part of you know is quote unquote necessary for Infinity Wars is telling you where that Thor appearance takes place because I'm guessing yeah. it probably came out after he was already dead. It made comics so confusing now. Yeah. Well, there's so many of them. All right. Well, that's that story. Now we have the other story. One. One. So, quick synopsis on that. One. Writer, Jerry Duggan. Artist, Corey T. Smith. Colors, Ruth Redmond. The editor, cover art, cover date, on sale date, cover price, reprints, and where you can find this digitally are all the same as the main story from Thanos Legacy. This silent story takes place back when Gamora was still a child and being raised by Thanos. Orbiting an alien planet, Gamora is sent down alone with a sword and the instruction of one. She lands in a public park and sees families and kids running around. She wanders until night and is in what appears to be the more seedy part of town now. She sees a parent hit their child and reaches for her sword but decides against it. She sees someone else robbed and killed and takes her sword out as she moves towards the killer, but stops. Later, back on the ship, she brings the Thanos to head of the victim she saw in the alley. Thanos puts up one finger, signifying one, and then with the push of a button, sends a blast out of the ship that completely destroys the planet, as a horrified Gamora watches. Alright, and so the one story obviously has no words, as you might have noticed, but it's all about little Gamora and her daddy Thanos, and he sends her to a planet, and from what I could tell from it, basically, she was supposed to kill one person. Yep. Because that's why she keeps bringing the sword out. To, but she sees these people, but she can't do it. Even though like she sees somebody beating a kid, she sees a mugger. But what does she do? She takes the head of the guy that's already dead. Hopefully he's already dead. Well, you saw the guy. He gets stabbed. I had to look at it again a bit, but you can see on that. Uh, yeah, he's stabbed. Yeah, he's stabbed. So he's probably dead. Doesn't he's mean dead. he's dead. Well, let's go if he's dead. So she chops his head off. But I'm assuming Thanos realized what she was doing. Because he just nukes the whole planet. That was funny. No, granted, I don't know. Did Thanos know she didn't do it, or was Thanos planning on doing that anyway? Mm, he didn't look happy. Yeah, but that's it. That was a nice. It was a nice little story. Yeah, it's quick. And that's it. That's it. That's Thanos Legacy number one. I mean, it's not a bad. I didn't think it was bad. I don't know. Did you? It was so quick. How could it be bad? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole the whole issue. Oh, oh. Um, uh, I mean, it's okay. You yeah. Know, like you said, it's not necessary, but it's, I mean. That's the only you know, thing. If you don't want to read it, just take out that he wanted to die and he knew it was Gamora. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, it's not necessary. That's my only pro- issue is that they tell you it's part of Infinity Wars, so I bought it. And it really wasn't. They're a bunch of liars. Yeah, like when they do trades of Infinity, when in the trades for Infinity Wars, I don't think they need to include it. No, you know? they can include no. it in the trades for Guardians of the Galaxy for the new series. Have that you know act like a zero issue. They're just trying to get you to read. They're trying to get you to read three different series by when, by you reading that. So like, all right, you read, you're reading the Infinity uh, Wars, Infinity Wars, right? And they're like, well, if you want to. Uh, if you're reading Infinity Wars, you got to read Thanos Legacy number one. Okay, so I read Infinity Thanos Legacy number one. And they're like, oh, this all takes place with the, the Thanos series beforehand. 
so you should watch that. Okay, I'll re- I'll read that. And they're like, oh, oh, and this also goes into um, Guardians of the Galaxy, so you should read that as well. So that's three different series I got you to buy. Yeah, along it's, more with of a, book. it's more of an advertisement. It's over now. There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts. That they never could. like to cross over, to feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. March 2021 still arrives. Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. And get this man a cold Mountain Dew. Ooh, a cold Mountain Dew. I haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah. Make it warm. Thank you. Sun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this... <laughs> does put a smile on my face. the hell are you guys? The Merry Marvel Marching Society. We don't know where we're going, but we're on the way. A podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of JL May. Coming in March 2021. Covering Marvel's fall crossover event, Axe. Of vengeance. A cabal of evil threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have never faced before. An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal's strings? And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, 
into the weird justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning a thunderbolts podcast longbox crusade married with comics the quantum cast resurrections an adam warlock podcast rolled spine podcasts and views from the long box marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021 act of vengeance a true story all right up next we have infinity warps iron hammer number one now, like all the Infinity Warps miniseries, this is going to be a two-issue miniseries. So, yeah, so this is that new, if you remember the end of Infinity Warps, so... Yeah, they folded the universe, everybody's combined with each other. Got it. All right, so brief synopsis right here. Infinity Warps Iron Hammer, numbers one and two. Writer, Al Ewing. Artist, Ramon Rosanas. Colors, Jason Keith. Letters, Corey Pettit. Editors, Jordan D. White and Annalise Bissa. Cover art for issue one by Humberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. Variant covers by Adam Kubert and Maury Hollowell, and also by Humberto Ramos. Cover art for issue two by Giuseppe Camoncioli and David Curiel. Cover dated November and December of 2018. On sale date September 26, 2018 and October 31st. Cover price $3.99 each. These issues have not been reprinted, but you can find them digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. A few years ago in an ice hotel in Norway, we find Sigurd Stark, the billionaire technologist, drinking alone. Finishing his drink, Stark heads out for a walk. He is warned that it is dangerous to walk at night. Someone else vanished a few months ago. Stark knows that, as the missing man was his friend, Algrim Venko. Wandering in the snow, he comes across a forest and finds himself under attack by dark elves and taken captive by their leader, the Crimson Curse. He is locked away with another prisoner, Eitri the Weaponsmith, so they can both make weapons for the Dark Elves. Together, they decide to build a weapon to take the Dark Elves down. They build a suit of armor to not just protect Stark, but to keep him alive, despite the poison in his body that the Elves use to capture him. Finally, Eitri gives him a giant hammer, made of Elfsbane, iron. However, they hear the Crimson Curse coming, so Ichri goes to hold him off and gives Stark a chance to power up. Finally powered up, Stark, calling himself the Iron Hammer, heads to take on the Curse and the Dark Elves, using his onboard computer Heimdall, heuristic enhanced imaging, macro-digital, awareness for logic and logistics. He beats them and finds under the armor of the Crimson Curse the corpse of his friend Vanko. Issue 2 starts with Sigurd Stark swearing vengeance against the true leader of the Dark Elves, and the one who killed his friend Vanko and put him in the armor of the Crimson Cursed, Malekith. He has Heimdall create Bifrost, bridging interdimensional frequency rotating outside space-time, which brings him to Asgard and restores his lost memories. He is really Stark Odinson, son of the ruler of Asgard, the home of the demigods, Howard Odin. His father had banished him to Earth, removed his memories, and made him mortal, to teach him humility due to his arrogance and his treatment of his adopted human brother, Stain. In Asgard, he is attacked by Malekith, who has captured his father as well as the other Asgardians, including the Warrior Machines Three, Pepper the Wise, Tony the Grim, and Rhodey the Bold. Malekith is able to hold them all using the power of the Ten Rings, one for each of the Ten Realms, 
each with its own power, and as well as the betrayal of Stain. The betrayal Stark blames on himself due to his previous treatment of Stain. Using his knowledge of the rings, Stark is able to manipulate Malekith into using them frivolously, one by one, knowing the rings need to charge after each use, until only one is left, the Midgard, or Earth Ring, whose power is electricity. Electricity which Stark uses to power his armor and kill Malekith, though Stain escapes before the battle is over. Afterwards, Stark refuses his father's offer to give him back his godhood and immortality, preferring to stay mortal. He goes to Malekith's other partner, Madame Hell, goddess of death. He tells her he was terrified of her before when he was immortal, but now he is mortal, he knows the value of his life, because he has the chance to lose it. And even though they both agree he will not lose it today, Madame Hell removes the mask that covers her face to all, and shows him. Bam. This was definitely written to be like kind of like a 60s, 70s style. Yes, I totally got that feel. Yeah. Not the, not the, uh, I didn't get the art, the, not the art, but the dialogue. Right? Yeah, and the caption boxes. Watch his oh. awesome approach. Listen to the thunder as it rolls closer, closer, closer. For today, you are destined to walk with the iron hammer on a journey into suspense. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And by the way, just so you know, Thor first appeared in the comic book Journey into Mystery, and Iron Man was in Tales of Suspense. Oh, so they combined it. Yeah. Cool. This is kind of like, if you remember when they did Marvel vs. DC a couple years ago? No. Oh, like 10, 15 years ago? Actually, it's more like 20. I don't know. Oh, okay, I guess not. So. They had a bunch of those stuff, though, right? They always had well, crossovers. But this was a specific miniseries called Marvel vs. DC, where like you had like Wolverine fight Lobo, Captain America fought Batman, I think it was Captain America Batman, Spider-Man and... Somebody else, Superboy. Oh, uh, I kind of remember it. I never read it. Yeah. Well, they did something similar then, where halfway through they all got merged. So you ended up with like Super Soldier, who was like a mixture of Captain America and Superman, or Bruce Wayne, Agent of Shield, Ooh. or Legend of the Dark Claw, which is basically like Batman and Wolverine mixed up, with Jubilee as like Robin. Cool. Well, I could see that because uh, Jubilee kind of looks like the Robin from uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Or um, Thanos' side. Dark side. And Thanos, yeah. They're kind of the same person, I don't think. Yeah, very similar. And uh, actually, the best one I thought was Bullets and Bracelets, which was Diana, basically Wonder Woman, and her husband, Steve Castle, who is basically a mixture of her boyfriend, Steve Treasure, and Frank Castle. Got it. So that was actually a really good story. But yeah, they did a whole bunch like like so it's like this. So this is basically Marvel doing their own version because they can use these guys again because they can't really use those those ones because, you know, they're owned by DC, half of them. Yeah, this one they can do. So, yeah, we got Sigurd Stark. Is there any significance to Sigurd? The word I, the name Sigurd? I believe I actually I remember for a brief period of time. Thor used that as the like a, as like a, a co, as like a secret identity. Sigurd, I think it was like Jarlson or something. I forget the last name, but again with a J. Got it. It was when Thor didn't have. It's when Thor wasn't merged with a human, so he didn't like turn human when he hit his cane anymore, his hammer anymore. But it was a way for him to like live in the human world and not be just Thor. You know, he just took off his costume, wore normal clothes. Wasn't there another name for that too? 
Well, there was Don Blake, but that's when he was merged with a human. So, like, you know, he would hit the hammer and it would turn into, he would turn into a person. Oh, okay. But, yeah, that's where that name came from. So, yeah, he has no memory, goes into the woods, and he's attacked by the elves. So, yeah, this is basically oh. just m- mixing and matching Iron Man stuff and Thor's stuff. So, yeah, Stark has no m- memory of himself. He lives in Norway, which was a little different, I thought. They don't actually have him living in America. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of different things about this. Yeah. But, yeah, he, walk- he walks into the woods, gets captured by elves, <clears throat> and the Crimson Curse who is a mixture of the Crimson Dynamo and the villain Curse from Thor. Oh, I have no idea who those people are. You actually do, would have read something with Curse. Do you remember yeah. way back in Power Pack when their mom was in the hospital, got hurt, and almost killed? Wait, um, way back in Power Pack when? Like, issues like 17 or 18, their mom was injured and like went to the hospital and almost died. I remember when she went crazy because she found out her kids were uh, superheroes. No, this was earlier than that. Okay. She was, like, knocked through a window by some giant monster thing. And that was... Curse. Curse. Did they fight Curse? Yes, they did. Did they win? Yes, with Thor. Oh, cool. And Better Ray Bill. Wow. All right. Horse Thor. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like in the Iron Man story, he's injured and taken captive, and they're forcing him to work on weapons for him. And it's, this time it's Eitri the Dwarf, which is the same guy from the uh, Infinity War movie. Remember the dwarf from Infinity War? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was a dwarf, but he was like 10 feet tall. Yeah, the guy from uh, Game of Thrones. Thrones, yep. And you notice they do something similar here, too. He's the dwarf, but he's taller than him. Yes, but, not not as tall as... Uh, in the movie. In the movie, but he's significant. He's obviously bigger. Yeah. He's still taller than because you see him in that one page when he's helping him walk. He's a little taller than him. He's like a foot taller. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool little thing to add in there. Not and just course, taller, bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's something about his proportion that seems not human. Yeah, like way bigger. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and of course he sacrifices himself to save him while he gets his armor charged up, like in the movie and the original Iron Man story. <laughs> And then Iron Man, Iron Hammer, I keep calling him Iron Man, Iron Hammer beats the crap out of the Crimson Curse. So do you have anything to say about any of these things so far? Any thoughts? Any questions? Queries? Did he kill him? Yeah, because it actually was his friend. But his friend was he's already dead. Oh, yeah, he kills him, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're right. yeah they, they killed him already, but they were kind of using his body as like a... Uh, they were using him as like a zombie slave. Yeah. So stabs him in the back in the th- in the chest with the the hammer with the end with the hammer uh, basically sets him free, lets him move on to the next life. Yeah. Of course, you got all the little touches to make sure that you know it's a mix of Iron Man and Thor. Like instead of Jarvis or anything else inside his armor, it's Heimdall is his yeah. AI. So is that, but that's like all part of the mystical parts, or is it, uh, no, it's just digital awareness. Yeah. Okay, so it's like both. Yeah, because he's he's <clears throat> mixing technology and magic here. Yeah, it makes you know, sense. There's like technology in the armor, but there's also runes carved into the armor, and that's what's keeping the poison from killing him. Like in the original thing with Iron Man, where the armor was made to like keep the shrapnel from getting to his heart. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And then at the end, we see the villain is Malekith the Elf, 
who has the Ten Rings of you know from original Iron Man from the Mandarin. Oh, so those Ten Rings have been around. Yeah, that's an Iron Man thing. In the comics, the Mandarin actually has those Ten Rings, and each ring is like a different like energy or power. You know, one shoots lightning, one makes like darkness, one shoots just force, all kinds of stuff. They have to recharge. That I don't know for certain. And then instead of Loki, Professor we have X. No stain. It's Lex Luthor. Yeah. Well, that's what you look like. Oh. Stain was um they made him look differently, but remember Stain was uh what's his name from the first Iron Man movie? Big Lebowski. Oh, okay. I don't know his name, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, I should have put a beard on him. Yeah, it really so. should have put a beard on him, because it just looks like Professor X and uh or uh Lex Luthor. I'm gonna get go on a hint here and get. I guess they kind of made him look like the comic version, probably. And of course, then we have a ma- mix of. Uh, there's an Iron Man villain, Madame Mask, who has that kind of mask on her face. Oh. And obviously, that's what they, that's what they mixed her with Hela from Thor. So she's Madame Hell. And again, you get that caption on the last page, which is very 60s, 70s. Can the wind hold its breath? Can the sky itself tremble for its master? Here is your answer, reader. Yeah, it's a lot of reading. It took me an hour to read both these comics. Yeah. So, okay, so issue one, what did you think overall? I mean, if you put it issue one on itself, I wasn't like, it wasn't the issue for me. It wasn't bad, Uh, but... It's it's just just an origin. Yeah, it's just an origin with, you know, it's a different cake, sliced a different way. I don't know how you say it. Uh, with all these, with all these new characters, and I also didn't know uh, a lot of these characters, or like you know the significance of yeah. them. So, didn't, but when you put it with the second one, it it, it uh, clarified a lot more with the first one. So it's all together, I liked I liked the story. Okay, good. Yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah, it's, this first one is mainly having to do the origin, and it's also just you know it's just basically another version of the origin of Iron Man or Thor. So yeah. it's also the second one gets to be something di- gets to do something a little different. The first one kind of is just it's like a bit of a retread. It's like, well, I kind of know half the story anyway. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, he got they took him to make weapons. They, oh, look, there's a guy who's going to help him. Big shocker. Yeah. It's like, all right, I've seen all this. OK, you don't want the poison, the shrapnel to get to his chest. I get that. Or yeah. his heart. I, you know, oh, I'm going to uh I'm going to stall for you. Okay, I get that. It's... It'd be like if they did a... a ver- like, DC did one. It was a version of Batman and somebody else. You're just like, oh, there's his parents. All right, how soon before they die? Yeah, it's like, all right, I've seen that. It's like... That's why when you watch, like, a, a superhero movie, if they do the origin, it's like, all right, now, <laughs> I've seen this <laughs> many times. At least, like, in the Hulk. Like, then that's why you have to be clever, like, and remember with the Hulk with... Um, the Marvel, the uh, MCU Hulk, where they kind of just show it like really briefly in the um, the credits in the opening. Yeah, they give you like, that right, idea. You seen this? You know what's going on? He's you know gamma rays and. <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. Or like the new Spider-Man movies, where I don't think they even show the origin. It's like, look, we've done it like two or three times in the last decade. We don't need another origin. You know what happened? Yeah, <laughs> see Toby, see Toby McGuire. Yeah, Spider-Man. We, we did that already, and then yeah. we did it again. And there's like five cartoons have been out since that time. Watch one of those <laughs> and then come back. Yeah, as cool as origin movies are, and they're, I mean, origin stories are, they're great, but it's like, we've done them. Yeah. 
We've done them all. Let's let's get past it. It's like, do we have to show Batman's parents dying in the next movie? Hopefully not. No, because yeah. we need. Yeah. We, let's let we know that already. Let's do so, Let's get move on to new territory. Yeah, who doesn't know his parents die? Yeah, yeah. There was a mini series uh, a couple years ago called All Star Superman, and the guy did the origin in like four panels or something. It's like we don't need. You know, it's like we don't need to waste time with this. And the origin just it just you know it's just like one caption for each panel, and it just says, "Dying planet, kindly couple." It's like it's all you have to do is like planet blown up. Yep, let's see the rocket taken off. All right, kindly couple finds him. There we go. He's Superman. All right. Yeah. So in case you don't remember or don't know, you get a little bit of it. And if you you want to know more, go back and read any five of billion origins yeah. of Superman. Five billion origins of it, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, we don't have to waste time with it. Let's not waste pages with this. Let's give you a new story. All right. So that was Iron Hammer number one. Uh, coming up next, we have... Soldier. Iron Hammer number two. Infinity Warp's Iron Hammer number two. Now, how much like older comics have you read? Like 60s, let's say. Um. Well... Most of the majority of it is um, from remember, remember those big books of like the original X Men comics oh, and stuff. The Marvel Masterworks. So I read like a lot of those. Like I remember okay. reading most of the X X Men uh, issues from those. Most of and Spider Man from those. So I don't know if they did it from those X Men ones. I think they might have done it some Spider Man back in like especially the fifties and sixties. A lot of times these co- the comics. Like, the first page would almost be, like, a second cover of the story. First page would be a second cover. Yeah, like, the first page would be something, like, would not be a part of the story itself. It would just almost be, like, a new, another cover for that story. Probably because a lot of times those books usually have, like, three or four stories in each one. Uh-huh. So, they would, I guess, like this, this gives, like, each one its own little cover. So, like, if the story was eight pages, it actually was only seven pages of story, and one page was, like, a little splash page of a cover. They do that, the same thing here in these two issues. If you notice on the first page of each one, the top three-fourths of the page is, like, a whole separate image that's not, you know, part of the story. You talk you know, to the part where he's kneeling to... Yeah, uh, the title. Or, like, kinda, the, or like... It has the, something to do with the end of the story, Oh, it does, it? but, I mean, it's not part of the story itself right there. <clears throat> not right there, no. Or like the one in the issue one where it's him smashing the ground, you know that's like almost like a that's almost like a separate you know image on its own, like a, like almost like a preview image or a promo image or something. Well, I'm just saying that's something they did back then too, so it's kind of ties in with the whole silver bronze age, you know, silver age feel of the story. I'll definitely say that the second cover is a lot less of a lie than the first cover. Now this one is called, and this is gonna be fun to try and say. The Ragnar Armrock Wars. Yeah. Well, because the Ragnarmonic to... Wars. Well, because they're trying to combine Ragnarok from Norse mythology and yeah. a big storyline in Iron Man called Armor Wars. Oh, so Ragnar Armor, Ragnar Armor, no. oh, Ragnar Armrock Wars. Yeah. Ragnarok, Rag, Rag. Or rock, rag. This is not gonna work. 
Yeah. You know what? The problem is the okay at the end is the problem. If it was Ragna Armor Wars. Okay. Right? That'd the be like rag, what you're saying. The Ragna Armor Wars. The Ragna Armor. Ragna Armor. Ragna Armor Rock Ragna Armor Rock Wars. Yeah, but Ragna Armor is a lot easier to say than the other one. No, Ragna like, Armor Rock Wars. Yeah, you have to do like I don't know why it's hard to say. Nahi Namahamasai. <laughs> was that from? Uh... <laughs> I don't know what's gonna be funnier if I leave all of this in there. So like it's ten minutes of you trying to say it, and then you're like, oh, it's easy. Or if I edit all of it out, so you just do it on the first try. It sounds like you did it on the first try. What is that movie? Um, Beavis and Butthead. The creator of Beavis and Butthead. Office. Office. Space. Oh, oh no one can say his name. Yeah. How do you? I gotta find that now. You have to hold on. No one in this country can ever pronounce my name right. It's, it's not that hard. So, okay, so back to the story now. Back to the story. Ragnarok so, yes. Armor Rock Wars. Yes. So, Stark has declared vengeance on Malakaf the Elf for, killing, for the fact that his friends are dead. And he's trying to figure out how to get to Asgard. <laughs> And he's like, hmm, if I were to use a bridging interdimensional frequency rotating outside time and space, and Heimdall creates Bifrost. I wonder how long the writer Al Ewing had to spend trying to figure out acronyms for Heimdall and Bifrost. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But bridging interdimensional frequency... Rotating outside space-time. Oh, yeah, Bifrost. Okay. Rotating outside space-time. Bifrost. I wonder if he was doing these Bifrost? Yeah. What? Oh, where's it? oh, and the Bifrost is opening. Okay. Yeah. What if he's doing this going, why couldn't I have just made Sif his armor, his computer? <laughs> S-I-F. That's a lot easier to think about. <laughs> well, Bifrost is cool. Yeah. So, yeah, he jumps into the Bifrost, and we get a flashback. Do you think, though, do you think he comes up with the acronym first and then uses up, like, do you think he comes up with Bifrost and then uses... That too. No, he's got to kind of do both, right? I, I think he had to come up with the name first because I mean, Bifrost is the name for the bridge anyway, for the you know the Rainbow Bridge from Asgard. So that's probably the name he. That's the one he's uh, going to use. Yeah. And I mean, unless he was going to go with Jarvis, still, Heimdall is the one that makes the most sense for the armor for his computer. Because remember, Heimdall is the one who could see. Heimdall is the god. He's like he's the guardian god. He's the one that sees everything and sense everything. So Not makes, the guy who guards the bridge, right? Yeah, that's him. Oh, okay. Oh, that's his name, Heimdall? Okay. Yeah, so it just makes sense that Heimdall is going to be the one that is the computer. Like, he can tell him everything is happening and see everything. Oh, yeah, so that makes sense. Because when they came out with S.H.I.E.L.D., did S.H.I.E.L.D. was S.H.I.E.L.D. always an acronym? Or oh, yeah, from the beginning, was? yeah. Yeah, from the beginning of, okay. Yeah, from comics, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. always was an acronym. Oh, okay. It just made sense, because, I mean, it's even a plot point in here that He's not looking at stuff that Heimdall is doing the looking for him. You know, Heimdall sees everything. You know, he doesn't have to look. So he had to he had to come up with acronyms for those names. But I'm sure he's probably cursing at it, going, "Why can't I figure out a way to make it Sif instead? <laughs> Three yeah. letters, so much easier." So we get a flashback to well, basically kind of like in the Thor movie. Thor's a jerk, and his father banishes him. Yeah. Here it's a mix of you know his father's Howard Odin. Oh, yeah. forgot about Howard. Yeah, and in, instead of the Warriors 3, this is one of the names that's like a bit of like, ah, that's a little <laughs> fun. 
the Warrior Machines three. Oh uh, yeah, because remember, Rudy was War Machine, and I'm not sure who the third one is. I know who Pepper is, obviously, and we know who Rudy is, but who's the one called Tony? I don't know that. Tony Stark. Yeah, but he's Tony Stark technically. Remember, he's a mix of Tony Stark. I and guess Thor. he's only half. Yeah, but if I mean, is he? <clears throat> the only thing I could think of is, do you remember Onslaught, that X Men story? Yeah, Professor X. Yeah, and remember, like all the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, quote unquote, died at the end of that. No, but they did. Oh, maybe I don't know. I never read it. Yeah, they they quote unquote died, and what they did was they did a Marvel did a thing called Heroes Reborn, where they start where they canceled Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. And they let Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld come back from Image and write those books, troll those four books for a year and like start them all over again in the new universe. Kind of like uh, the ultimate stuff. Kinda I like wasn't the- listening. I'm sorry. I was thinking about um, if you put half of two people, because if you put half of two, like, well, no, they're, take- they're, they didn't go on. Yeah. Go on. What are you saying? No, what? sorry. Go on. What you're saying first. You say, well, no, if you take like, if you take, you pick, combine a person with two people. So you take Tony Stark and and Thor, and you make them into one person. Well, then you're only taking half of each person. So where do the other uh, two halves go? Well, see, I wasn't thinking of it's taking cutting them in half and putting the two of the halves together. I was thinking of it's like getting two pieces of clay and smashing them together into one piece. So you're not losing the other. You're not losing half of each. You're kind of just smushing them together. And they should be twice as big. <laughs> Because you got two pieces. Of, if you take two people, two pieces of clay, for and so you have clay for two people, and you combine that clay together, you have a person who's twice as big. <laughs> but maybe these people are twice as big. How do we know? Yeah, in perspective. Maybe they're all twelve, 20, you know, sixteen feet tall. Yeah. Anyway, explain. Explain. So I was not listening. That's fine because what I was saying made no sense. Actually, had nothing to do with it. I have something else I had to talk about. So years ago, back when Avengers and Iron Man were not really that good, they did a story called The Crossing. Okay. And in it, we found out that Kang the Conqueror had been controlling Tony Stark for years and was using him, and now used, and now took full control of him, and used Tony Stark to kill a bunch of the Avengers. So kill some Avengers and go against, you know, fight them. And he died fighting the Avengers. It actually is funny, actually. It makes going after, once that story happened, I, I thought it funny. I'm like, you know what? The song Iron Man now really works for him. Goes to the future and comes back and kills the people he once saved. Oh, yeah. So. When was that, this? What? When was this? 96, 95. Cool. Okay, go on. So. Then they did a story, and then they did a thing after that where the Avengers went back in time to try and save Tony Stark from, you know, being controlled by Kang. And it was even worse because apparently 10 years ago, Tony Stark was 19, but Spider-Man was like five, and the Fantastic Four were going on their flight, were, were taking their rocket on the same day. Like, it didn't make any sense, you know what I mean? Oh. It's like, wait, how is, wait, he's only 9, 29 years old, but Spider-Man's like a like a top, like Spider-Man's like a little kid 10 years ago, and the Fantastic Four are leaving on their ship now. 
Like time that, doesn't go by like normal time. That's all I, I have to say is time does this is the Marvel universe. This is not this is not our universe. Who's to say time goes by the same way? <clears throat> it was a bad story. Here. Anyway, the end of the story the story ended up with somehow the teenage like the nineteen year old version of Tony Stark in the present. And now he was Iron Man. Oh. Sort so, of like Uncanny X Men. Yeah, so for about a year, that's who was Iron Man, like a teenage Tony Stark. I'm wondering if that's who this is supposed to be, like a version of the teen Tony, because he looks young. Yeah, the, the, the other half of Tony Stark, because they can only put half of Tony Stark into uh, to the Iron Hammer. Fine, it's the other half of Tony Stark. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. So, yeah, so like in the Thor origin, he gets banished to Earth without his memory to learn humility. Yeah. He's too much of a dick. Yeah. And he's back here, and Malekith is there and has captured everybody. And he has to fight them. And Malekith has all ten rings. And this time, the ten rings. Now, this, of course, is mixing the things. This time, because, they, you know, they have, you know, Asgard has all those different realms. You know, they talk about the nine realms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So each one of the realms has its own ring. Instead of, you know, that's not the way it was with the Mandarin originally, but obviously that's how they mix it up. So he's he's taking each ring. And I like the fight here. I mean, it's really, he fights really smart. Iron Hammer? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the guy goes to kill him with the blast. Instead, he opens that Bifrost, so it breaks open the, the prison for the uh, warriors. I mean, they don't last very long. No. But it was enough. They did their part. They distracted him. Yeah. I like the best where he puts Rhodey back in the prison. Rhodey's like, ah, oh, not again. Yeah, that's funny. No, <laughs> yeah, no, true. They distract him. Yeah, with that hammer. Nice big hit. Because he's realizing the rings aren't being charged enough. And since he knows what the rings are, it's like, I like that. He's like, the only few rings left to use. You know, he says, six of your rings are spent. You only got four left. He's like, I, I can use the, vis- the mists. He's like, my helmet's sealed. I got ten minutes of air. That's not going to do anything. What else you got? What else you got? It's like a game of Dungeons and Dragons they're playing against each other. Yeah, but he's he's definitely playing him because he knows what those rings can do and he knows what's going to help him. So he's like, "Um, I can use the white white light or the black light to blind you. It's like Heimdall sees everything. I don't need this. It doesn't matter if I'm blind. You know, keep going. What else you got? You got one more left. What's that one? It's like the lightning. I can use electricity on you. He's like, yeah, sure, shoot electricity in my armor that absorbs ener- absorbs electricity. Go ahead. Sucker. And he does. And then he knocks his head off, basically. It's ve- And that's very much a uh, Princess Bride moment right there. When he kills him. Oh, like I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I'll do anything, 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 yes. Bring my friends back to life. <laughs> Crunch. Isn't that in the... Um... No, it was different. I'm thinking of uh, the Patriot. I don't remember. Don't remember the Patriot. It was like well, the I best the movie ever. That, besides, it was I like, remember it was a movie they, that existed. It was like, how could you do? Um, what's that other movie with Mel Gibson? Braveheart. They're like, we want to do Braveheart again. They're like, well, we can't. We just did it. They're like, well, why don't we just put it Braveheart into a different scenario? The Patriot. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, once I watch it, I'll remember it. Yeah, watch it. Well, it's on Netflix again. It'll go on Netflix eventually. Yeah. I mean, Braveheart is on there if you want to watch that. I think it is. It was on recently. Anyway, 
Princess Bride. I was just watching the beginning of that. Uh, it was on Mom and Dad's TV. Nice. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, so that's definitely a Princess Bride moment, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When I first read this, as I saw him saying, oh, you'll do anything? Yes, anything. I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt it, too. Like, ah, Princess Bride. Offer me money. Yes. Power to promise me that. All that I have and more. Please. Offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And then, yay, everything's happy, and he saved everybody. He saved Asgard, and yeah, his brother left. And I like how they leave it there. He's like, he's not sure how to help his brother earn his forgiveness. He's like, he understands, like, I was kind of a dick to him. So, yeah, he, you know, it's still his own fault for what he did, but I still owe him an apology. So I like that. It wasn't just very much cut and dried. You are evil and therefore must be punished. It's like, yeah, you did bad crap, but to be fair, it's a lot of it's my fault for pushing you there. Yeah, you didn't... uh... I mean, he made, like you said, he made his own choice, but, like, you didn't make it, you kind of, you helped guide him. You you still owe, you you owe him a bit still. You didn't do your part. Exactly. You didn't do your part to help him to the good side. You called, he was pretty relentless on the flashback. He's like, ew, he's like rotting away as we speak. Yeah, he's such a dick. Yeah. And then we get to this part at the end with with, uh, Madame Hell, which is pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. He's like. You know, he's like, you know, he was, you know, terrified of death. He's like, I don't want to be immortal anymore. I'm dying. I like, I know I have a chance of dying, and there, but because of that, I feel more alive than I ever did because there's a chance of death. And actually, he's like, I'm not going to die today, but I know I will one day, and that's okay. So if I'm going to be around you in the future, I might as well get used to you now. Yeah. So I like that. That was pretty cool. I thought. Yeah. So you said you liked, after reading two, you liked one better, and it made, you know it worked better yeah. together. It worked together, yeah. It's yeah. A good sto- uh, made it a good story. Yeah, it's a cool story. It's a cool origin for him. It's a, it definitely, that whole thing, especially at the end, I think it makes him a little different character than just Thor or Iron Man. Like, he has a different perspective than either one of them does. No, like, yeah, and I can't, I don't really look at him as being one or the other or both of them. He's a, yeah, he's a different character. He doesn't really look like... It's more like uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, sure, I can see that. But yeah, so this is a fun little miniseries. At least this one was good, I thought. Yeah. We'll see how the other ones are, but this one was good. Well, that was Iron Hammer. During the recording, I speculated that the character of Tony the Grim was supposed to be in part the teen Tony character. Since I started to edit this episode, I found out I was wrong. Tony the Grimm is, of course, partially based on the Thor character, Hogan the Grimm, from The Warriors 3. Hence, the Grimm, part of their name. But the other half comes from the Iron Man character, Tony Ho. Tony is the daughter of Ho Yinsen, the scientist who, in both the original comics continuity as well as in the MCU, helped Tony Stark create the first Iron Man armor. The hint was in Iron Hammer issue 2, when Tony says Eitri was like a father to her, since Eitri was the one who helped Stark create the armor in this reality. Of course, looking at the character's history, I don't think I read any issue with her in it, which is probably why I didn't notice the hint. Oh well, 
I can't be right all the time. Okay, time for another promo, and then on to the Soldier Supreme miniseries. Hi, I'm Blaine Dowler, host of Bedtime in the Public Domain. In this podcast series, I'll read bedtime stories from books in the public domain. Each weekday, I'll release one chapter or short story from a selected larger collection. Once the entire book is done, I'll also release an audiobook version, including all chapters or short stories, before taking a few days off to prepare the next series. All stories will be from one of the children's categories from the Project Gutenberg website, because they do an excellent job of editing the content to ensure it's in public domain, and I have neither the time nor expertise required to do that myself. Suggestions for the stories that come next are welcome and encouraged. You can find the show at Bureau42.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. And we are back with another Infinity Warps miniseries. This one is Infinity Warps Soldier Supreme. And so we are going to talk about number one right now. Infinity Warps Soldier Supreme. Writer, Jerry Duggan. Artist, Adam Cooper. Colors, Matthew Wilson. Letters, Clayton Cowles. Editors, Jordan D. White and Annalise Bissa. Cover art for issue one by Humberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. Variant covers for issue one by Humberto Ramos and by Adam Cooper. Cover art for issue two by Giuseppe Camancholi and Roberto Poggi. The two issues are cover dated November and December 2018. On sale date September 19th and October 24th, 2018. Cover price $3.99 each. These two issues have not been reprinted, but you can find them digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. As World War II intensified, the weakling Stephen Rogers volunteered in an experimental procedure for the U.S. Army to become a super soldier. While Dr. Erskine presented herself as a scientist, her super soldier serum was actually a fraudulent cover for mystical rituals, which enhanced Stephen's strength and physicality, while granting him access to powerful sorcery. Erskine was shot by a Nazi spy shortly after Rogers' transformation, and her true identity and origins were discovered by the military afterwards. While disappointed with her methods, the army was pleased with the results, and Stephen jumped into the theater of war not long afterward, under the identity of the Soldier Supreme, leading into battle a specialized field unit called the Howling Commandos of Hoggoth, composed of Dum Dum Fury and Bucky Wong. During an assignment in the Ardennes, a blaster mortar fire took the team by surprise and incinerated Bucky. Sullen, Soldier Supreme used magic to preserve Wong as an apparition that became known as the ghostly Winter Soldier. Rogers would subsequently often use his magic to heal his teammates' fatal injuries and keep them in fighting order. When news reached the commandos that Hitler was dead, Soldier Supreme went after one of the Nazis' most treacherous leaders, Dormammu Red, knowing that as long as he walked the earth, the Allies would have no victory. When the two mages finally crossed paths, Rogers found himself heavily outmatched and overpowered, until he summoned the Winter Soldier, who impaled Red with his bayonet. In a final moment of desperation, Dormammu Red dragged Rogers into the Dark Dimension, a realm of eternal, all-consuming darkness. Stephen spent decades trapped in the Dark Dimension, honing his expertise in magic as he fended off endless hordes of demons and monsters. Rogers was finally released by accident when Mordok, mental organism richly designed for the occult, and his cult ripped open a portal to try and summon Satan. Mordok attacked Soldier Supreme, and during the fight, Rogers projected his astral form into Mordok's body, discovering that he was one being containing two souls, that of Modok and Baron Mordo. Mordok warned Rogers that the warp world was nearing its end, 
entrusting the soldier supreme with his eye of Agamodin, and encouraging the mage to seek the truth for himself, before fading to a plane of pure magic. Soldier Supreme made his way to London, where he was debriefed on the time after the war. Returning to his home in Brooklyn, Soldier Supreme turned the eye of Agamodin on himself, and discovered that, like Mordok, he was too composed of the souls of two people, Steve Rogers and Dr. Stephen Strange. Rogers found himself pondering the implications of this revelation when Emma Frost put out a telepathic call asking for heroes to join her and stand to save reality in the battle against Devandra. So, Joey, Soldier Supreme number one. Before we get into it, just real quick, what did you think? You probably shouldn't ask me that question anymore, because I don't like to say negative things. You didn't like this one? <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> say that again, because everything froze for a second. I heard it wasn't ne- necessary. <laughs> Take two. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> it was worth it. Totally yeah. worth it. I actually thought I liked this one the most out of all the all of them so far. What have we read so far? Uh, the miniseries we led um, Arachnite. Okay. Spider-Man Moon Knight. Yeah. Uh, Iron Hammer. Iron Man Thor. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Ghost Panther. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe even Ghost... I don't know. Well, let's go through it again. <laughs> let's go through this comic and we'll see. But it's just... You know what? It's just like... Uh, not... I don't know. Like, I'm not... Because we're doing all these side things, it's like we're not getting anywhere with the story. And this... I guess the side things aren't very good. <laughs> I don't, but that's just me. And like, I, I, I yeah, this yeah. is, I'm like, well, what's well, going on? And, and the thing is I'm feeling is the, the feeling I'm getting from infinity warps is it's like, it's, it's uh, infinity. It's two stories that they're taken from. They're taking a lot from uh, infinity gauntlet. They're taking a lot from house of M. You know, and I from, get a uh, big, get big house of m feeling you well, know was, but not as good i would <laughs> say problem. i would actually say more than house of m but maybe if you didn't read this one that's why you think of house of m because it's similar it's uh D- dc versus marvel when they did that miniseries back in 94 and at the end of issue three to stop the universe both universes from being destroyed they were merged together and people, and there are some characters who are mixes of different characters from Marvel and DC. But also, so, I'm comparing. I'm comparing. It's similar like, to that. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I can't do. I can't compare that though because I never read it. But also, I'm like comparing it to House of M. But I read only. I'm comparing it the side stories to the main story of House of M, which is not fair. The thing is, of course, over the years they've realized the lucrativeness of expanding these out as much as possible when they do this kind of thing. So, of course, you know, mixing the characters up gave them an excuse to do a whole bunch of, ooh, we can sell now six two-issue each miniseries. And instead of just selling, you know, the seven or eight issues of the main Infinity Wars story, we can also sell another 12 issues of something else. Yeah. And that's fine, like, you know, um, you know, people not, like these stories. They're, they're not necessary. But. No, they're not really necessary. They could have honestly... You know what? They could have gone seven issues and given us like an issue that 
just went into like show the uh, showed uh, this alternate universe and the different characters, and that probably would have been enough. Yeah, but it's not bad to go over it. So it's, it's yeah, but it's it part is of what it is. It is what it is. It's good for what it is. And also, let's be fair, you are reading it in a different way. We're kind of reading these in a different order than you're not just reading it as they came out. Where you would still, because remember, the main Infinity War story was still coming out, so you still were getting progression of that while these, you know, while reading these side stories. Yeah. For instance, when issue th- when this issue came out, in the same month, you also had Infinity Wars number three, Iron Hammer number one, and the Thanos Legacy one shot. So, you know, you still had other things happening. So you can kind of see it all happening at once. We're kind of concentrating on, okay, we're going to do these two issues now, then these two issues. Yeah, but we also thought that this might, we might need this. Otherwise, we probably, I thought that's what we thought. Otherwise, like, like if we knew, know, knowing now, I would say, like, let's just read the the story, the Infinity Warp story, and then go back to the tie-ins. Yeah. Yeah, I just figured it would also, just so you didn't have to go, you know, once they show up towards the end, you're like, who the hell's that? Who the hell's that? Who the hell's that? Who the hell's that? Yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to tell what, what the right way to go is. Exactly. So it all really depends on whether or not, you know, these are fun or not. And I yeah. thought this one was fun. Cool. But, okay, so back to it. So, yeah, Soldier Supreme. So, you know, starts out very much the same with, uh, basically, it's Captain America's origin. It's World War II, and he's a skinny guy. He just has a lot more facial hair. Yes. Because he is a... Because I like that. Since they're both named Steven, they don't have to change the last... You know, they can just keep him Steven Rogers. Is it spelled differently or no? Oh, you're right. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I think Steve... I think he's... I think Captain America is S-T-E-V... E and, and Stephen Strange is S T E P H. Yeah. So that's I guess yeah. Well, I, I figured since Ro- you know since they kept the last name Rogers, the Steve what the Steve part was Doctor Strange, but you know it didn't matter. It's still yeah, Steve. It's still same. <laughs> but of course he has that facial hair. It was, so his attitude, I, I got more of a Stephen Strange when I'm reading it. I felt more, way more Stephen Strange than Captain America. Yes. Like, it didn't seem fifty fifty. It seemed more like. 80, 20, 70, 30, something like that. I agree with you, because there's even a point later on where uh, Dugan tells him when they're during the uh, war, he's like, we need, you know, we need you to more lead us and inspire us, not just go off on your own and do stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of more of what Dr. Strange would do. He's the, he's the magic guy. He's there to work in the shadows in the corners. Captain America is the one to lead everyone in front. Yeah. But yeah, the thing changes here when we get to Dr. Eskreen. Sorry, Dr. Erskine. The one who created the Super Soldier Serum, and you see it's a person doing magic. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, I did see here. I didn't really understand it. Okay. So, oh, she does not put the syringe in his neck. Nope. So, as opposed to the Captain America origin, where it's, you know, they give him the ejection and the vita rays and all kinds of other scientific stuff to make him powerful, she's using magic on him. So, yeah, she's not even injecting him. That could be just Kool-Aid for all we know. Mm, cool. She's just trying to find the proper spell to do this. I did not realize that. But like Captain America's origin, it works, and he becomes he becomes a super soldier. And then there's a German spy who kills the Doctor, just like in Captain America's origin. And instead, Cap is able to magically make a shield 
I like the image of the shield. It's kind of a cool looking like it's cap shield, but it has like the magical stuff on it still. Yeah, it's also it's all like a uh, cap shield when his shield broke. When did his shield break? I forgot. Like ninety eight, ninety nine. Uh, he lost it. He lost it in the ocean. It fell oh, to the bottom. You know what I'm thinking? I'm not thinking of the comic book, so actually, I'm thinking of the animated series. Oh, okay. Well, same. It happened there in the comics too. I just he realized. Lost, yeah. Wait. So it was in the nineties. Yeah, late nineties. Yeah, I didn't like, read that. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, uh, something like that. I forget exactly what year it was. It was called Heroes Return. And what happened? How did he lose it? He was in the ocean, basically, and uh, there was, I forget how it happened. I, they they were in the water, and he basically had to either save his get a shield or save somebody, and he saved somebody, and the shield sank. You couldn't be and, like, I probably will save more lives with the shield, so the good of the many. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like that better. But yeah, he got a like a like a almost like a holographic type shield, except it actually worked. But it was like an energy shield. He had that for a little while. He got a shield back eventually. I think Namor found it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Did he ask Namor to look for it, or I like... forget. I'm sure Namor saw. I'm sure he was very sad. It's kind of, it was probably like reading the, it's been a while since I read those, but I'm sure it was very much like reading the comics from the 60s when he first shows back up in the Avengers. And he's all like, I'm Captain America. I miss Bucky. You know, my friend Bucky died. Did you know Bucky died? Bucky died. I'm very sad. Bucky died. So he talked about Bucky a lot. Yeah. That was the main thing about Captain America in the early 60s. He was, uh, as John, as John Wilson put it, he was Bucky sad. Bucky sad. Bucky sad because Bucky died. They all died. <laughs> they all died, Steve. It was a long time ago. Well, actually, they didn't all die, but they're all old. Well, to be fair for him, that was right after he came out of the ice. So for him, it was like that was like last week. Yeah. Well, get over it. You're in a new era. Actually, You're it's the... not that long though. It's 20 years, right? At that point, yeah, it was like 1964. So it was like 20 years later. So yeah, he probably. It's funny was, how they have to do that. Like back then, they had to like figure out like why he didn't age. Meanwhile, it's been wait sixty years since then, and they're just like <laughs> everybody's just still in their in their thirties. Hey, Franklin 30s, Richards, right? Franklin, something like that. Franklin Richards is finally like 10, 11 or twelve. So you know, Soldier Supreme is now like, uh, what's going on? Like, why am I blasting things? I thought I was going to be a super soldier and, like, be strong and fast. Why am I making people disappear? So the army decides to test it because, you know, they didn't understand what the doctor did. They weren't happy with how she did it, but they did like the results. And I like this whole part where they're testing the shield. It's like, okay, we're going to shoot at you first. Now we're going to get a bazooka. Okay, now let's get a tank. You would think he could, like, I mean, they're testing the shield. He doesn't have to stand behind it. Maybe he does. Oh, that's pretty poor powers. I'm sure it doesn't. Well, I have no idea, but I do like that page. Oh, it's great. Uh, God, you know, they bring the tank and he's like, guys, can we save some for the Nazis? So that was fun. And then we get to the, and then of course, you know, we get to the World War II antics where he works with um, Dum Dum Fury. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know who that's a mixture of. And Dum Dum and Nick Fury. Yep, and his best friend, Bucky Wong. Bucky Wong, yeah. So, yeah. We called ourselves the Howling Commandos of Hoggoth. Because that was one of the... That's one of the things, if you read Doctor Strange, you'll see him say, by the hoary hoes of Hoggoth. It's one of the things he says a lot. Cool. World War II fights, blah, blah, blah. 
And then, of course... Does Bucky already have a uh, metal arm? Apparently. I have no idea whether it's just some kind of armor or he actually lost his arm. Who knows? Yeah. We don't get to that. But we do get Bucky dying. Pretty gruesomely. He's in that hole. And it's all red. Bucky's just, like, all over him. There's no bits, though. It's just blood. Yeah. He's all... Ev- just I, Yeah. There should be but, more pieces. But, yeah. It's yeah. gross. But then he comes up against... This name I'm not too thrilled with, but I guess I had to mix them somehow. Dormammu Red. Oh, um, who's Dormammu? Doctor Strange's villain, main villain. He's a demon from the Dark Dimension. I know him. I know I've seen him. He was in the and movie. Then... Yeah. Okay. Remember? Dormammu, I've come to bargain. You know, now it's time to save myself. So I wonder if if he's if they've left that for him to come back. So was he trying to get Satan to fix the world? Is that he was, the, what he was? Yeah, he was hoping. So maybe he was good. Well, he was good, but I mean, he was trying to do. He was doing a bad thing for a good reason. He was trying to get a bad person to do a good thing. Yeah, and the question, of course, is how much of that work would Satan just you know laugh at him, go, uh, no, and leave? I have better things to do. Well, at least he tried. And somebody yeah. said, "Well, did you ask Satan?" Because he can do things. That's true. But anyway, so the Soldier Supreme heads back to the United States, finds out how long he's been gone, gets debriefed over and over again by the government, because, you know, that's what the government does. Where did you go? What happened? Tell us everything. And so he starts investigating himself with it, and he sees that he is a mixture of two people. (gasps) And now he knows there's something wrong with the origin of his world. But then he gets a message from the Soul Gem, from, it looks like the world of the Soul Gem, from the, we see what, the White Queen, Hulk, Loki, Ant-Man, and Adam Warlock. Says, we need more heroes, and we need them now. Your world is an illusion, and is slowly dissolving. If you hear my voice, then we need you to answer the call. And the Soldier Supreme is ready to help. And we will see him again in Infinity Wars number five. Dun, dun, dun. I would say, so far, the ones we've read... This is probably the most, I'm not sure what the word is from looking for, uh, the most necessary one or the most useful issue. Like the other ones just give you stories of these characters. This one gives the story of the character, but also has something to do with the main Infinity War story. It's the you know, people of that little, this new you know Infinity Warp world, somebody learning that there's something wrong with the world and seeing who they come from and going to help. Yes, at the very end of the second issue. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course. It wasn't going to be the first. <laughs> but I'm just saying, out of the ones so far, I would say, if someone's going to say, well, what's the most necessary, you know, like, do I need to read all the miniseries? Is, you know, is any one just at least, you know, part of the story? I'd like, okay, read Soldier Supreme. Get the others, read Soldier Supreme. It actually ties in with the story itself. It actually it ties in with the main It ties in? Yeah. It ties in, but you don't need it. No, but there was, if someone was like, yeah. Are any of these part, you know, do any of these tie in at all have anything to do with it? Or are they just kind of like in that world? They say Soldier Supreme a little. Yeah. But still, yeah. besides that, as a story itself, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Is he playing, is that a guitar that he has? Uh, Captain America guitar when he's looking? See, yeah. He's, yeah, you see what I mean? The original Captain America shield is also on the shelf above it. I, I see. Oh, okay. It's underneath the uh, 
the caption box that says the universe was born. This universe was born from a cosmic collision. I would say it's behind, right? Yeah, behind the caption box. And not underneath. Well, caption box on top of it. Behind, underneath, same difference. I guess it's. I mean, if I mean the way I'm looking at it now, you're right. It's underneath, but like, I don't know. But is that a guitar or is that a shovel? It looks like there's frets. No, you're right. You're right. It looks like a guitar. <gasps> no. no strings. There's no strings on it. Maybe it's magical. But you could see, yeah, maybe. Well, because well, there's frets on it, and it's got, like, the dots on it for the frets. Well, here's the thing, though. We don't know how long he's been back home. He goes back, and he deals with the military. You know, he has all the debriefs. Okay? So he's there doing that for a little while. And then it says, I go home to Brooklyn. I ponder what Mordock said. So we don't know... Is this supposed to be like the day after he gets home or has he been home for like two months or six months? Because what if that belongs to whatever warp version they have of Rick Jones? Because Rick Jones was Cap's, you know, did work with Cap a bit. And Rick Jones is a musician. He did play guitar. He played guitar. Whoa. So I wonder if that's supposed to be like, you know, belonging to Rick. Maybe. Maybe. Makes sense. I do. I was wondering who was on that picture. I was like, oh, I'll never know who's on that picture. So I was trying to zoom in on the picture. And then it's on the next panel. The big zoom in of the picture. Oh, when he's looking at the picture? It's uh, Dugan yeah. and Bucky. Yeah. I'm assuming Dugan just eventually died at some point. Yeah. Fuck you know, it. Whether it was in the war or after. I mean, it's been like 80, 90 years. So if he was 30 or 40 then. But I wonder what happened to Bucky. Because we don't really see what happened to Bucky. He kind of vanishes at the end of issue one, and that's it. Yeah, they all they say is he rarely comes back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't remember the rest of the Infinity War story completely, at least as far as these characters are concerned. So, maybe we'll see Bucky in one of the other issues. I'll keep my fingers crossed. At the least, do you like the character Soldier Supreme at all, or no? Do I like... Um, I mean, I don't dislike him. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Captain America. It's Stephen Strange. Yeah. It's With a little Captain America thrown in. Mostly Stephen Strange. What part Captain America did you say, like, in the story? Like, did you see any points where it was like, oh, that's Captain America? Because everything I read, I was like, that's Stephen Strange. Maybe a little bit of Captain America, but more of really. Or the beginning part. More the reason of him, more him yeah. volunteering for the test. Yeah, you're right. You are correct. That's more of the cap part of him. The willingness to go help. Yeah, that's true. You know, especially, or at the last page when he's like, the Soldier Supreme is ready to go to war. That's more of a cap thing than a Doctor Strange thing. Doctor Strange would be like, very well, I will assist you. So it's a cap uh, strange sandwich where cap is the bread. Because it's on the beginning and the end, so and then strange is in the middle. I can. That's very good. I like that. That's good. Tune in next time when we bite into more <laughs> warp sandwiches. <laughs>
The episode's almost over, so you know what that means. It's time to cover our feedback. And this time we are doing the feedback for episode 126, in which John Wilson was back and we talked about the all the recent announcements that was made for the MCU. On Facebook, the post about that episode was liked and shared by, oh, I don't know, thanks to Facebook's stupid privacy settings again. But we also have Twitter. Ah, oh, thank you, Twitter. And on Twitter, the post about that episode was liked and retweeted by Nexus of All Realities, Rattlelich Broadcasting, Viet Win, Toys and Sometimes Jokes, David Finn, Adeline Rising Podcast, Legion Outpost, Spider-Woman Daily by Spider-Woman, February 17th, Capes and Lunatics, Into the Weird, Last Sons of Krypton, Dr. Multiversity, Into the Night, Chris Lydon, Jason Snake Venable, Back to Our Regular Cable Programming, John Reads Comics, Make Ours Marvel, Chris, Comics Ghoulie, Ryan Daly, Comics in the Golden Age, Steve's Comics Arcana, Tim Price the Podcrasher, and Carlos Lorenzo Ruiz Rivas. Now besides this show, you can also hear me a few other places. You can hear me every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast, and you can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Also, in the last month, I was on a show on the Firewater Network, Ryan Daly had me on an episode of FW Presents Showcase Gene Colon as we talked about Gene Colon and his work specifically in Captain Marvel number three. That is Captain Marvel series that came out in the late 60s, featuring Marvel, not one of the any 5,000 other Captain Marvels in comics. <laughs> now, if you want to hear your name mentioned, well, that's very easy. You can always just uh, like our post about our episodes on our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. On our Facebook page, just go to Facebook and type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box. Our page will pop right up. We're on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. You can follow us on there. Besides liking the post for the episode, you can also talk to us about comics on there very easily. We'll talk about any type of comics for the most part, as long as we've read them at least. And we've read a lot of comics, so go ahead. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We will definitely read those reviews. Now, just a note, in case you didn't know this... I am in the United States. If you are leaving a review and you are in a country besides the United States, you need to let me know that you left the review. Otherwise, I won't know, because apparently the way Apple Podcasts is set up, if we want to read the reviews we get, we have to change it to the country that review came from. So if you are in Canada, for instance, you have to let me know so I can look at the Canadian reviews. Otherwise, I don't have time to look through every single country all the time. Sorry. And of course, you can always send us an email. Resurrections Podcast at yahoo.com. One other thing, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective is a group of podcasts that have gotten together to network in the very traditional sense, uh, encouraging each other, sharing ideas, and of course, promoting each other's shows as best as possible. In fact, we're about to play a promo for one of The Collective shows right now. The Swamp, more than merely a place. It is a churning, seething, bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, until one little experiment went somewhat awry, and you changed. The serum that was to have made you a super soldier combined with the strange forces in the swamp to make you over into this, a shambling, mindless mockery of your former humanity, the macabre Man-Thing. Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. 
Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you too can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre. That's all for this episode. Next time, we'll be doing the Arachnite, Weapon Hex, and Ghost Panther miniseries. See you then. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. And so that is it for this episode. Sure is. And the next time we're back with Infinity Wars, we will be covering Infinity Wars number four, uh, Infinity Warps Arachnite number one, and Infinity Warps Iron Hammer number two. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye. All right. That's good. That is good. <laughs>